Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. I'm the great Brian Last. Thank you for being here once again, where myself and my very good friend Mike Mills are going to review Mid-South Wrestling this week from April 10th, 1982. A fun, fun week of wrestling action. But before we get there, without any further ado, the host of Booking the Territory, your friend and mine, Mike Mills. Mike, how you doing today? Good, man. I'm hanging in there. A little chilly down in my area. Chilly by Texas standards. Uh, we don't get all that snow and stuff that you get where you're at, but I'm doing good. I'm sitting here ready to do April the 10th, 1982 of Mid-South Wrestling. As I am looking at my screen, I see Boyd Pierce in another uh, black and red suit. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just black with red not flames, but just some kind of red patterns throughout it as he and Bill Watts are getting ready to kick off with us another episode of Mid-South Wrestling. That should be a fun one. Well, I don't know if you're correct about that. I actually think it may be red and navy blue because Watts is wearing black and the table curtain is black and the background is blue. And I think Boyd may be wearing red and blue. So this is one of those examples where (laughs) HDTV just really messes with your colors because you could even make an argument as you look at the back uh, background behind Watts and Boyd that that is not even blue but maybe has a little purple in it but you know back then we weren't worried about it as much as we are now I just kind of was making an observation but uh you're right it may be a very 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 navy blue that he's got in there in any case he is as stylish as he always is because he is he is Boyd Pierce well, you bring up the background. One quick thing, Mike, and, uh, you know, we'll have to stay on top of this, but I believe from this point forward, we're never going to see that background again that has the uh, the states of Louisiana and Mississippi next to each other. Now the background says Mid-South Wrestling. But if you remember on some of those early episodes, and this, this background's been there before, but some of those early episodes we did, the background was actually a picture of the states of Louisiana and Mississippi next to each other. Yeah, it, it's it actually changed. Oh, it's been a while now that we've had this um this new background with just the uh, mid south lettering in red with the white trim, and then I forget it's gonna be a, we're gonna be this background from what I remember is gonna be a background backdrop for them at commentary for a long time, maybe until. 84 ish it's this ain't going anywhere for a while at least yeah. at least that's what i'm thinking in my memory maybe I don't, and not 85 it, i bet you it's like 84 ish that we get the we get the, the change in, in background but we'll be with this for a while well mike let's actually listen to boyd and the cowboy bill watts open up this show and uh, we'll talk about this on the other side Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and we have a lot of exciting action for the next 60 minutes. We're glad that you joined with us. Matchmaker Grizzly Smith bringing all the top stars. They all want to come to the Mid-South area because that's where the action is. From the Southwest area, you'll see Tully Blanchard in action, the big man that's crippled so many men in the past few weeks, the one-man gang will wrestle. All the champions are here. The Junkyard Dog from Louisiana, the Mississippi title holder, Mr. Olympia, Mid-South Tag Team title holders. It'll be off in Sika, the Samoan Warriors under the guidance of General Skandor Akbar, North American Heavyweight Champion Bob Roop, Iron Mike Sharp. We have lots of things coming and lots of things going on, challenges being hurled. We have a man that can handle it. In all my years, I've never found a guest commentator with a knowledgeable ability of this man, and he can break it down where we can understand it. We've asked him to be with us again this week, and here he is, Cowboy Bill Watts. Bill? Well, thank you, Boyd. And, you know, it's always a pleasure to get to do something you enjoy, and both you and I enjoy professional wrestling. And exactly. it's great to be able to be a part of it and uh, come into the people's homes each week via TV. And, uh, again, 
the one-man gang and Skandar Akbar, I guess, have started something that uh, we don't know who's going to reap what was sowed. But Ernie Ladd, the man it all started with, the 6'9", 320-pound, all-pro, Hall of Famer, San Diego Chargers for the Houston Oilers, Kansas City Chiefs. It all started February 3rd, 1982, when Ernie Ladd was right here at this table with you and I arguing about that he wanted equal time with Dusty Rhodes. And the Samoans were to wrestle the Junkyard Dog and Mike George for the Mid-South Tag Titles. And we looked up while he's talking and scanned our Akbars in the ring with him. We thought that Ernie Ladd had just pulled another maneuver and added somebody else to his meal ticket. And I think we were kind of skeptical as we asked him because we didn't want to be made fools of. But exactly it turned out right. that Ernie Ladd was caught totally unaware and injured. And let's relive that moment, February the 3rd, 1982. We now get a recap, Mike, of when the one-man gang debuted, injuring Ernie Ladd, assisting the Samoans and Skandar Akbar. And, you know, you talked about it, uh, I believe, last week on the show, that during this period of time, you know, at least, at a minimum, Mid-South Wrestling, the first 10 to sometimes 15 minutes of the show were recaps of things that had previously happened, but it was never boring. You know, sometimes I remember seeing the same thing on a wrestling show week after week growing up and being like, oh, I've seen this clip over and over again. It never felt like that with Mid-South because you would always get the explanations, you'd always get more information, and uh, this is another good example of that. I say this all the time. Like I know as I know for a fact as a kid that I didn't see every single week of mid south because there were times like my mom and it used to oh my god i would i would be in, enraged and angry she'd be like all right we gotta go to the grocery store and, and miss house about to come on on a saturday afternoon on channel 26 and i'm like are you freaking kidding me you know right now can't this wait um but i don't feel like i missed a lot because every single i, I swear there was just the time period where all the time, every week, anything important was always recap from the first 10, 12, 13, 14 minutes on the TV every week. So you, even if you miss something, Watts and Boyd or whoever the commentary, I mean, even JR did it when he was here, they would kind of walk you through those important moments. Here's another example, you know, back February in 82, two months before we are shown um, when one man gang came in and injured Ernie Ladd's knee and Ernie, Ernie Ladd's going to be later in this episode. So I guess it's important to the story. Um, and then, you know, I'm, we also have an example where in a second, uh, Watts is also going to talk about when, uh, Mike George, um, the Samoans beat JYD and Mike George for the Mid-South tag titles. And again, it goes back to maybe, maybe you're not tuning in the week that stuff aired, but you never missed it because they did a good job of taking those little bite-sized chunks that were of extreme importance on the TV. And they presented it to you in a way that tied into the story that was all, you know, ongoing and happening, but to make sure you didn't miss any of that story and you completely understood without inundating you and giving you too much. Like raw nowadays, they do recaps all the time, which I don't know. You got DVRs. You got Hulu nowadays. It's just overdone. If you're missing it, it's just because you don't want to watch it, not because you missed it. Um, so like, but in the territory days, when everybody didn't have, when there was no such thing as a DVR, and I'd say, I'm just guessing, more than half your audience at least did not have a VCR to tape this stuff every single week. Way more than half, probably. This is this is good. This is how you would do it to make sure your audience is still in tune with what's been happening on your show each and every week as we built to this point. It is so important to reinforce all of the strong angles 
and make sure that everyone understands why things are happening so that they are set up for whatever happens next. And you referenced before that Bill Watts recaps the Samoans versus the Junkyard Dog and Mike George. Why don't we listen to just a few seconds of that audio, too? At that point, we thought we were out without a title match. But Akbar said that the dispute was personal between he and Ernie. The tag match was signed between Afa and Sika and the Dog and Mike George. And Grizzly Smith upheld it. And the match was booked. And it went on right here on Mid-South Wrestling. And I'll say one thing. That's why it's a king of sports. Because no matter whether you like the outcome or not, there's action. And I have never seen more action than in the final closing moments when Offen Sika won the Mid-South Tag Titles and Mike George was injured. And let's relive that. And from there, Mike, they show the match. They show the injury to Mike George. They don't show the whole match. They show parts of the match. And then coming out of that, Bill Watts talks a little bit about the injuries that have been all over Mid-South Wrestling at the hands of Skandar Akbar and his stable. Let's listen to this. You saw that was two of the top stars down, all to the credit of General Skandar Akbar, a new, tremendously huge human hulk. The one-man gang was sprung on the scene. Then Dick Murdoch, with Dog, is the man that they've marked. He wasn't there that evening, and... Dusty Rhodes took his place, and they injured Dick Murdoch in that tag match, and Ted DiBiase, and now the mysterious situation around Killer Carl Cox. But where it all started, it all comes back, and everything goes a full circle. And Ernie Ladd says that next week, he and a mystery partner are going to wrestle off and seek it right here on TV, and I hope to be here with you, Boyd Pierce, because it should be a lot of action. I'm looking forward to it. Well, it will be a lot of action. <laughs> From there, Mike, we go to a match between the one-man gang... And Mike Boyer, and um, I don't have too much here to say. Uh, the one-man gang wins via the splash. Jack Howe is the referee. There's one reference in commentary that I thought was interesting. Bill Watts says that last week, the one-man gang split the boards on the ring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had I had that. Uh, Watts claims that. Woody, he's mentioned Woody the ring engineer before. I, I, I can't remember. It may have been episode four three, four or five of this show. But he, he mentions Woody, the ring engineer, and says that uh, Woody, the ring engineer, reported back to Cowboy Bill Watts that one man gang split the boards under the ring, either during his match or with his splash. And I don't know. I just think that's a nice little, once again, a touch to show how big of a man and how powerful a man this man can be as he flies around a wrestling ring. I mean, he's an enormous dude. Now, one other thing I want to mention before you, before we move forward, Mike Boyer is again, just a funny looking dude, the way he flops around. It's, he just, he's just a goofy looking dude, <laughs> the way he bumps and throws his punches and just flops. Um, I, I don't know. I get probably more of a kick out of Mike Boyer as I should, but he's, uh, he's kind of hilarious. One, oh, one other thing too, before I forget, I thought Watts did a good job over here. He puts over one man gang, but he also discusses that every man has some sort of weakness. And the thing that is important is to find the weakness so that it can so that it can be exploited. That's a very big point. And uh, from there, Mike, we move on to another group of Akbar's wrestlers, the Samoan Warriors, Afa and Sika against Buddy Landell and Iron Mike Sharp. And as this match gets going, Skandar Akbar has some concerns and he gets on the mic. So why don't we listen to a few seconds of this here? Hey, I'm through asking. I'm demanding. I want to know who Ernie Ladd's mystery partner is going to be next week. Now I'm through asking. I'm demanding. Mid South tells me who Ernie Ladd's mystery partner is. Well, Ernie Ladd has not revealed yet who his mystery partner would be, so we don't know either. We have to take that up with matchmaker Grizzly Smith. I have to stop it right there, Mike. 
Reese Bowden mouths off to Akbar when Akbar turns around. He's like, you have to take it up with Grizzly Smith. And then he just walks out of the ring. It's so funny because Akbar is so mad. He turns around and Reese just keeps going and then Reese just leaves. <laughs> it's just it's just so nonchalant. The other part is, but I've started to realize Bill Watts has it drilled into Boyd and Reeser's head that when they are questioned about why certain matches are happening, your standard response is you gotta take it up with matchmaker Grizzly Smith. <laughs> it's yeah. like verbatim. They repeat it. That's about the only thing you'll I guess, you know. They talk about things being scripted. That wasn't scripted, but he had it drilled into their head. That is your response. Don't say anything else. It is, it is the right response, though. I mean, if you really think about it, it in terms of yeah. the organizational structure of Mid-South Wrestling, as it was uh, shown to the wrestling fans, that would be the right thing. What the hell is Boyd Pierce going to do? What's Reeser Bowden? Reeser Bowden's going to change a match? You have to go to the Oh, yeah, maker. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm in total agreement there. That's the that. I mean, I'm I'm making fun of it being uh, the the response that that Watts has right. uh, laid out for them. But you're right. There's that is the logical response. There's no other logical response from those two. Let's listen to a little more audio, and we'll talk about this in a second. Coming out in General Skandar Akbar. Reese, uh, Boyd, I predicted that Akbar would be a little bit worried. You know, you you've realized that when you hurt a bunch of people. That there's a matter of time and they're going to get well. And, you know, you can intimidate some people. But when you've got guys like Ernie Ladd and Mike George and Dick Murdoch and Ted DiBiase, you may hurt them, but you're not going to intimidate them. They're going to come back at you. And Ernie Ladd has not only been intimidated or, or, or injured, he's been made a fool of and feels that he was really taken advantage of. And let's face it, Ernie Ladd came up the hard way. He has never been given anything. He's taken Maybe that's why his attitude is a little over-aggressive. But he's a big, powerful man, 6'9", 320. He's been operated on. He's gone through a lot of pain. He's had six weeks of thinking about it, six weeks of being off without any income. And Skandar Akbar knows he's a formidable foe. He was hoping to get the whole Mid-South area locked up and in total control before any of these guys were able to get back. And next week, Ernie Ladd says he's going to wrestle him. He wrestled Offensiga with a big mystery partner. We don't know who it is. Ernie Ladd hasn't told anybody. Ernie Ladd will be here before the next bout to be interviewed by Reeser Bowden again and ask who the mystery partner is. And we'll just have to see if he'll reveal the identity. We do know it's not the junkyard dog. Bill, watch time after time. We said this is the world's most exciting sport, the greatest athletes in professional sports. And you can hurt a man and injure a man, but you cannot keep stay hurt and cannot keep him injured. There has to be the confrontation, a big showdown. There'll be a payday someday, I guarantee you. Well, right there, Mike, Bill Watts kind of sets up why you can justify cheering for Ernie Ladd. He's done all these things, but he's fought hard. You know, he didn't, he's taken everything he's wanted, and now he's ready to get back in there. So, again, some of the work being done on the show so that the fans know they can accept Ernie Ladd. And it's, it's important because we go back to what happened last week and how Ernie talked about, you know, he tried to get the dog to side with him, and the dog was like, you know, he, he just he wouldn't do it. And Ernie said we tried to, you know, bury the hatchet, but dog wasn't ready to bury the hatchet. I think it's important that you have the voice of the promotion, the voice of your commentary to mention things like that, to try to, I guess the words is smooth things over uh, so that forgiveness can happen 
and maybe there could be some partnership. Who knows? Um, we don't know that at this point. And I just think that Watts, as always, what he did right there, he just laid everything out um, so that you as a viewer could make an like a educated assumption on, and understand the story that is continuously being told. The Samoans eventually win this match, Alfred Neely, the referee. But another thing Watts does, and it's been a while since we've had Watts just talking about whatever he wanted on commentary, off topic from professional wrestling. He does it here, a little bit about amateur wrestling. Let's listen to this right now. Also, uh, a month ago or so, I was very honored to be the guest speaker at the Uliga, Oklahoma High School and elementary wrestling banquet. My schedules oftentimes doesn't permit it, but I love the amateur wrestling. I love the kids wrestling. Just as I love the professional, I want to thank the people out there who invited me, and uh, I really enjoyed the banquet and the, uh, the dinner and the, and the fellowship. Of course, right there in Bixby, Oklahoma, where I live, we've got a new coach, former Oakland State wrestling great Bobby Stites really doing a lot of great work to rebuild a fine amateur wrestling program there. Of course, Vernon Price in the elementary program. I could go on speaking about all the great friends I've met and the enjoyment I've had out of the amateur. And of course, the years and enjoyment and pride I've had in being a professional. And there we see it, none of the youngster, Buddy Landell out there. Well, there, you know, we've had that before, and we'll have that again after here on Mid-South Wrestling. Bill Watts loves amateur wrestling. Of course, a major amateur wrestler will be joining the ranks of Mid-South Wrestling in the weeks ahead. But uh, Bill Watts, I guess, honored at a banquet in Bixby, Oklahoma, his hometown, and decided to put over every single local wrestling coach he could remember. Yeah, and this isn't the end of it. Let's just put that out there. Watts, um, that was kind of, after I listened back to it, it was kind of mild. Uh, as he went into business for himself, it's, I guess the words I'll choose. Uh, that was mild, though, from Bill. He 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 will. I don't know, man. I just remember times where he went on for minutes on minutes on end uh, as he talked about amateur wrestling or high school football or wh- whatever it may be up in Oklahoma. Uh, mild stuff there from Bill, but don't be surprised if this stuff keeps creeping up not only this week but in the weeks to come. Well, from here we get another promo with Ernie Ladd. He did an amazing promo last week, and he's back this week. And there's some interesting things going on. Let's listen to this right now. Before we go into the next event, Big Ernie Ladd has some words that he would like to bring to you. And it's been uh, pointed out that there are a lot of people anxious to know who your mystery partner is. It's not for you to know. It's for me to know. And it's not for nobody else to know. All I can tell you, listen, all the wrong that's been done around here, it's time for me to start cleaning up on some head and beating some head. I want to get, hey, I want to stop with the Samoans. It's the Samoans. He come in and say anything he want to. He ain't got nothing to do with it. You don't have no business to know who my Mr. Cotton is. You, I've had enough of your stuff on the night. Bears just bring it down. And Reese Biden wisely getting his self out of the ring. But here comes Alvin Singer. Lance trapped again. Ernie Lance should know that where Akbar is, his helmet is up. I'm not sitting here by you. That's the assassin. Well, yeah, Watson is the assassin. You it's... talk about a mean, mean one. You talk about double trouble. It looked like Ernie Ladd baited the trap board, Pierce. And Watson. next week. Oh. And they're left in the ring is Ernie Ladd and the assassin. There's double trouble for anybody. I can 
can speak from first-hand experience. And both those men look like the big cat is ready to walk tall, and he's got the assassin. Did you see a pair of 300-pounders and their manager move fast, Bill Watts? Yeah, they thought they had the big man, and I know that he would have tried to put him out, reach him out and get him in the ring. Well, that certainly should clear up any mystery about a mystery. Well, ain't no question I was playing. I was laying ready for a little trick like that. And if they try some shenanigans like that in the near future, they're going to get the same thing. They're going to get a double dose and make this come twice this six the next time. I'm tired of talking, and I know everybody knows he's great. I had a little secret fun, and they fell for the trap, but they haven't fallen for the trap like they're going to get hurt, Mr. Well, it's been a good while since people in this area have they seen the assassin at work. They're outsmarting and lying in the assassin, I guarantee you that. And if they want war, that's exactly what they'll get. And the assassin has brought war to a lot of rings around this country. Okay, this is awesome. First of all, Ernie mm. is so good, but when you hear the crowd start popping up because Akbar is coming out, and then the lad starts speeding up, he's like, ah, 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 yeah, I can't do it. But and then when Akbar's in the ring talking to him, Ernie just seems finally he goes like, I've had enough of you, and he just throws this punch, and it just looks so cool. And Akbar goes flying, and the people pop, and then the Samoans get on him. People are worried. You see the fans, how worried they are. And then when the assassin hits the ring, they're so happy to see him. The assassin had been a star in Mid South Wrestling years earlier, and this is really, really cool. This sets up a lot of things that are going to be coming up, but this is such a hot little angle. The people are really into it, and Watts kind of said it there, and then Ernie Ladd confirmed it. It was a setup. Ernie Ladd knew that if he went out there alone, Akbar was going to come out there, and he was ready for it. This was as perfect as in get with how you do that, because again, we go back to Ernie Ladd and all the devious things that he's done, but yet now he's been wronged by Akbar. And to the point you made, Akbar comes in, and and I you got to pay attention too to the fans. The fans when Akbar is coming in, you know they they're getting riled up, and Ernie Ladd just says, you know, screw it, I'm not dealing with you, and he throws this left-handed punch. Akbar flops as only I think you know in my experience him Bobby Heenan Corny and himself can do uh they they as managers took some of the 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 better bumps in my opinion uh of guys and Heenan for obvious reasons but in Akbar too because he he was a he was a solid wrestler but he takes that bump and starts flopping around and Lad's got the psychologically this is perfect because Lad's got his back to the camera from the angle that the Samoans are coming in. So in the heels eyes, they really think we just won up this stupid idiot again. You know, Akbar went in there when in the end it was actually, it was actually lad and the babies who set the trap. And I just don't know if you could really do it any better than that, because it went from looking like Ernie lad screwed himself to nah, I one up you. And now we got you. And guess what? I know we said two weeks ago, I know we said we weren't going to talk about the assassin or talk about my mystery partner until two weeks from now. Ah, well, guess what? I got you. He's here now, and he just helped me out and chased y'all off. I, I don't know how you get – this was awesome. I don't know how you could do it any better. In the ongoing feud between Skandar Akbar and Ernie Ladd, Ernie Ladd has won this round. We'll see what happens in the next round. But from there, we're going to move on to another match. Coco Samoa versus Tully Blanchard with Jack Howe as the referee. This is a fun little match, and we'll talk a little bit about it. But first – on commentary, Bill Watts talks all about what we just saw with Ernie Ladd, the assassin, and Akbar. So why don't we hear what Bill Watts, the cowboy, has to say about what we just heard. You saw it all in action now being introduced as a star of the Southwest. 
Tully Blanchard takes on the former Pacific heavyweight champion from American Samoa, Coco Samoa. Bill, everything's going on. Oh, boy, Pierce, I'm telling you, we got ringside seats. A scandal, but like I say, everything goes a full circle. Boy, then you reap what you sow. It's It's been since time began. It's in the good book, wherever. And Skander Akbar, wow, you started it with man as all-pro, all-American. I think if I was going to pick on somebody, I'd have found me somebody that maybe <laughs> maybe would have had a longer memory of what was done because Ernie Ladd is stubborn. We've been pointing out the size of Alpha and Sika as a twosome and take team partners and looking up in the ring at the awesome weight and the size of Ernie Ladd and the Assassin Bill. Well, one thing about it, Akbar doesn't have to wait till next week to find out who the mystery partner is. Ernie Ladd baited a little trap. I thought Ernie was in a lot of trouble and hadn't learned. I should have known better. Like I said, those old pros, they don't make those mistakes. And Ernie Ladd felt he'd been made a fool of and, and he had been cheated and used and he had the assassin laying in the weeds because he knew if he baited Akbar strong enough that Akbar would rise to the bait but he knew Akbar wouldn't be by himself now whether the assassin even the assassin would be enough to overcome the also the one-man gang but you got to remember when will Dick Murdoch be back when will Mike George be back when will Ted DiBiase be back and they still got one tough operator They've marked Junkyard Dog, and everybody that's marked him has felt his bite. The Freebirds, he ran them right out. Ran them right out of the Mid-South area. Junkyard Dog has whipped a few. Skandar Akbar, I'm telling you, when you mark him, he marks you. And Mr. Olympia, who's proven that he's a man. He's a Mississippi champion. So, boy, it's going to be exciting, and the beneficiary... Of all of it are going to be the people at home and the people in the arenas. Well, the Cowboys right. It is going to be exciting. It is exciting. I mean, as a fan, I'm excited about where things are going right now. And this episode has just been paced so well. Everything's building up. Everything's fun. And in the midst of all this, we're getting a really good competitive match between Coco Samoa and Tully Blanchard. We keep saying this like every single week, but, you know, Watts, Every single time he ties things up after a big turn of events, he buttons it up during the commentary of the next match before we move forward and call in a match. Uh, like you said, it's very well paced. Everything here is good. The The other thing, too, is we, we then, as we move into the match, we got a competitive match here with Tully and, and Coco Samoa. Um, you know, Coco Samoa held his own, I think it was last week, against Bob Roop. And now he's in here with Tully and, you know, the hard-hitting good stuff. Um Watts even goes into uh, doing this match in the commentary. He's he starts talking about Mid South being the most exciting wrestling there is. He mentions that you know they're not on cable, they're not on any cable channel or satellite right now. But that doesn't matter because when when he talks to people, they always want to know where can they get Mid South and how can they see it. Just uh, from the buttoning up of what we just saw with Ernie Ladd and all the injuries with Akbar that he's laid out to the commentary to the to the match to selling Mid South. I don't know what else you can get during a during an actual match besides the actual match. Well, one of the cool things during this match, and we'll play some audio here in a second. Uh, I'm going to spoil it just because it's not going to be accurately explained. Coco Samoa, for what I imagine is probably the very first time on Mid-South TV, if not in the Mid-South territory, because people, you know, high spots were different back then in the early 80s. Coco Samoa does a springboard into the ring, into a sunset flip on Tully Blanchard. It looks really cool, but again, 
at the time, things like that weren't really done on TV, let alone in house shows. So not only is it cool, you get to hear Bill Watts' reaction, you get to hear the fans react to it. So let's uh, play a little bit of this audio right now. And Tully Blanchard also has a tremendous strength and power to be a great wrestler. And he certainly pulled the trick out of the book on this Coco Samoa. And he's got Samoa in a lot of trouble right now. Samoa showing Tully Blanchard. My gosh, he... Boy, Pierce, I have never seen that move. Samoa leaped to the top of that iron cable like a monkey and then dove. Oh, but Tully Blanchard... Tully Blanchard was able to adjust and turn a great move by Coco Samoa into a disadvantage and into the standing suplex. And then you ask me why Mid-South Wrestling is the best anywhere you'll see. A great example, Tully Blanchard gaining a hard-fought victory over Coco Samoa, the junkyard dog coming up in action when we return after this word from Mid-South Wrestling. Again, a cool match. Coco Samoa does the sunset flip out of the springboard. He goes for a second move off the ropes. Tully catches him, hits him with the hot shot. Or, uh, you know, I guess that would be the best way to call it, the old Eddie Gilbert hot shot. And then pins him with a straight suplex. Not the um, slingshot suplex, but just a straight suplex after that. And like I said, this was a fun competitive match. It was a fun competitive match. And I really believe Watts nor Boyd had any clue what to call what Coco Samoa said and that's why watch is like he just did something i've never seen before uh, you gotta think i mean this is 1982 when he hits that springboard into a sunset flip i mean he may as well have jumped off of a building in 1982 with what he did um i i don't think i'd ever seen it at that point it was just different and watch it, it you you see it and you're like wow that was uh, ahead of its time uh, in 82. And again, good stuff. And you're right. He did. He did him hit him with uh, Eddie's hot shot when he dropped him across the top rope. And then he uh, hits him with suplex, gets a pin. But I thought Watts was funny. Watts said, he looked like a monkey. Uh, <laughs> it's like, wow, you know, oh, man, uh, I'm not offended. But obviously, you know, you say that now uh, you might want to change it up and call it something. That, I don't know. But still. Something innovative you wouldn't see. There's going to be a time, I don't remember the year, I remember when Hector, I think it's Hector, uh, hits, uh, either was it Hector? I could be wrong. It was one of the Guerreros in Mid-South does a dive through the second rope, you know, which you see all the time nowadays. And just, I remember back then thinking, wow, what did he just do? Um, uh, stuff that, you know, again, just ahead of its time. Yeah, in 84, Lanny Poffo does a moonsault on Mid-South TV. You know, before you moonsaults were popular. You know, he does it not as spectacular as Muda. It's much more, uh, I don't know. Well, it's not as spectacular as Muda. I'll just say that. It's not as, I think the word you're looking for is it's not as graceful. It does Well, no, it's very graceful. In fact, I think Lanny Poffo's was too graceful is actually the way I would look at it. It didn't seem to have the impact that others would have with it. But we'll get there when we get to 1984 in a few hundred weeks here, Mike. But the <laughs> next match on the show, the Junkyard Dog, the Louisiana State Champion, in a non-title match against Wayne Ferris. Of course, Wayne Ferris, the future honky-tonk man, debuted last week. Alfred Neely is the referee, and uh, it's an okay match. JYD wins with the thump. Again, Wayne Ferris looks weird, like we said last week, with the bleached eyebrows and the bleached mustache and the milky white skin. Not a great look there. He definitely uh, upgraded things when he dyed his hair black and got a tan. But uh, 
An okay match. Uh, interesting thing here on commentary. Watts says that Grizzly Smith may start an on-air bench press contest in the coming weeks. Wow, I didn't even have that note. Um, I agree with you on the on the okay match. I mean, it's JYD, and he's on TV in 82, so obviously you're, you're going to enjoy it if you're a kid watching it. Uh, uh, but, um, you know, I, I, I tell you what I had. I didn't have the note about the, the bench press contest, but I did have the note about Watts talking about dog growing up in the ghetto and learning how to scratch and claw and fight for everything, and that's how, uh, you know, that's why he's so tough and, and then uh, JYD wins when he hits Ferris with the thump. Even a match with an established star like Junkyard Dog. Bill Watts ends up telling you why you should be cheering for the good guys, why they have done things in their life that makes it so that they have the character you'd want to cheer for, and why the bad guys are bad, and why you may not want to cheer for them. And then when they turn, he explains what's happening. I mean, there's no ambiguity. Everything's kind of laid out and explained, and it's just so easy to follow, so easy to enjoy. Nothing's convoluted like current wrestling or current WWE. It's just, it's a pleasure to watch this. But uh, that's it. Uh, JYD wins with the thump, and from there, we go to Bob Roop, the North American champion, in a non-title match against Jesse Barr with Jack Howe as the referee. The fans are really, really, for the first time, into, like, screaming at Bob Roop, and they're chanting, Paul's number one. You know, for Paul Orndorff. They're really, really active during, you know, at least the early part of this match. I agree. They were, you can tell that in the last couple of weeks since Bob, Bob Roop has basically screwed Orndorff over by ripping, the, you know, the cord off of his starter or whatever and uh, not allowing Paul Orndorff to get to his match on time. And then subsequently he beats DiBiase for the North America title. The fans... While Orndorff is not, you know, this, uh, I guess, white me baby face, the fans are, are pissed and Roop's out there. And I mean, they are loudly cheering Paul's number one. And, you know, it's a it's a full house in the Irish McNeil. And it, it's like the fans are seeing it. They're like, you screwed over Orndorff. I mean, why? And they're mad. So now they're behind Paul because he got screwed. And it's just um, we're going to start to see this in the years to come on Mid-South Television. Uh, the Irish McNeil kind of turns into a nightclub type atmosphere uh, as we as we go down the road in the next few years where it's just people are on their feet. And I don't know, it feels like this is, I don't want to say it's the start of it, but it's it's something that you'll see in the future as we go through the, the weekly episodes. One of the things that Bill Watts references in commentary a few times is that Jesse Barr wrestled for the USWF, the United States Wrestling Federation, which I'm assuming is an amateur wrestling organization because I don't know anything about it, to be quite honest with you. But uh, Jesse Barr obviously had an amateur background, which is one of the interesting dynamics of this match, because obviously Bob Roop, former AAU national champion, former Olympian, and Jesse Barr with that amateur background. And they do go back and forth. There is a lot of actual wrestling in this match. That's what I was going to say. If Throughout the match, um, they, they, they pretty much did what, what I would say in a professional wrestling match, you saw like amateur wrestling involved or, or what you would, what you would see as amateur. I mean, it wasn't exactly that point being it, it was, you saw a lot of, I guess the background that Watts was trying to sell from here, Mike. And of course, Bob Roop wins with a leg drop on Jesse Barr. We go to Mr. Olympia versus Ron Cheatham in the uh, television time remaining match. And uh, Mr. Olympia beats Ron Cheatham with a sleeper hold with seconds remaining in the program. Of course, he is the Mississippi State champion. This is a non-title match, but that's not the most interesting thing going on here, is it? 
No, it's really not the most interesting thing going on. I think you're queuing it up for some audio in a second, which is great. Um, well, let me just kind of tease it, and then, and then Brian's going to play it. Watts goes off on a tangent about Steve Dr. Death Williams, LSU wrestling, and the Oklahoma State wrestling team as uh, either, I, I guess you could say he was just killing time in the last few minutes of the show because he needed to to do something. Not that Olympia wasn't out there working his tail off, but you've got Olympia versus Ron Cheatham. There's four minutes of time remaining in TV. you got to do something, right? Uh, I mean, the fans aren't really loud and boisterous into this thing. So Watts does what he does, likes to do best sometimes, and that's uh, sell us on other things happening in the world of Bill Watts, which is Dr. Death, LSU Wrestling, and Oklahoma State Wrestling. Let's listen to some of that audio right now. And boy, you may have heard me refer to some amateur wrestlers at the University of Oklahoma. And the last one I referred to, Steve, Dr. Death Williams. The fans may have seen him on ABC Wide World of Sports a few weeks ago at the NCAA Wrestling Finals in Ames, Iowa. This young man is a four-time All-American, and he still has another year of eligibility because of a redshirt year as starting guard for the University of Oklahoma football team. And I guess that being my alma mater, I'm so proud of it. And as Coach Stanley Abel and his assistant coach Jim Humphrey and Eric Weiss. But Steve Williams is one that I've been kind of following his career down there because he's about 285 pounds of steel, a tremendous athlete, loves to mix it up. And I've been uh, kind of scouting him and hope to get him into pro wrestling. But, of course, with another year of football and Coach Barry Switzer uh, down there, very interested in his career there. We just don't know at this point, but I don't want to also slight by that mentioning any of the other fine schools with amateur wrestling in the Mid-South area. Louisiana State University under Coach Larry Shakatana. Got a young kid named Mike Clevenger, a former state champion at Oklahoma University, and another bunch of great athletes. Had a youngster that took fifth in the Nationals this year, was an All-American there. Also at Central State University in Edmond. And, of course, Oklahoma State under Tommy Chesborough, with Paul Martin as assistant and, and Leroy Smith, former two-time national champion and a close personal friend of mine, a youngster who I watched all through his high school and, and a career, uh, Leonard Bailey on that team and a fine returning All-American and Kenny Mundy, who I, I tried to recruit or talk to, at least not tried to recruit. I have no authority to do that, but I certainly was hoping he'd go to Oklahoma, but he went to Oklahoma State University and has uh, already become a... All-American there and uh, an outgoing youngster that I've really enjoyed watching uh, the last few years, Ricky Stewart from Duncan, Oklahoma, who was a two-time national champion and was going for his third national title at Ames and just didn't quite make it but still was a three-time All-American. And Bill is sidelined to that NCAA tournament, over 100,000 spectators, and I think that's just wonderful. Fantastic. That sir was. And uh, things are mixing up out here. And Well, let's stop it there, Mike. So there's Bill Watts talking about Steve Dr. Death Williams, who he has tried to recruit into professional wrestling, but of course he has one more year left of eligibility because of his red shirt year. And then he starts talking about all these other athletes and coaches that he knows, and he, he specifically made sure to mention, uh, I recruited this guy. I, don't, I didn't recruit him. I, I have no right to recruit him. You know, I guess that may have been an eligibility issue if maybe Bill Watts is doing the recruiting for a school and he's not supposed to. I'm not sure. But... uh you know, this is what Cowboy Bill Watts likes to do. He likes to mingle with these people, and then he gets to, when there's nothing going on on TV, he gets to say their names on the air. It's, and he's going to do it a lot throughout the years. I mean, there's no other way to say it. It's, it's kind of, 
It's funny when you watch it back now. I don't know if I really realized it back then, but watching back now, you start to realize you get these matches where not much really happens or it's the end of TV time. So he's kind of, I don't know, I equate it to he's out there filibustering for a while just to try to get us through. Now, sometimes it's literally in the middle of an episode and not towards the end like it is here where he where he starts that stuff. So it's hard to say, but I, I did catch when he, felt like he slipped up and said recruiting and he's like oh no no, i don't don't have any authority to do that uh so he it felt like he tried to clean it up on air force all in all though get used to watch doing things like that um it's it's kind of a staple of things uh with him on commentary and with that we wrap up another exciting week of mid-south wrestling we should make reference mike all the usuals are there at ringside all the old ladies the lady with the glasses in the middle the lady with the beehive hairdo a little bit down from her, all their friends in between, and of course our friend with the cowboy hat and cigarettes in the front row, and a lot of kids. It feels like more kids are getting in there each and every week, and the shows are getting better, and the shows are getting more and more fun, and it's only going to keep picking up in the weeks ahead. And as we're wrapping things up, I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts, classic wrestling talk and wrestling humor, the 605 Super Podcast. Mike, how can the fans stay in touch with you and booking the territory? I tell you what, come listen to myself, Hard Body Harper, Doc Turner, every single week, twice a week, that is, on Thursday and Sunday nights. You can find our show by either searching for Booking the Territory, wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Podcast Attic, you name it, we're all there. Or go to tinyurl.com slash bttpod. You heard me say on Thursday and Sunday nights. Thursday, we talk a little NWA Saturday night on TBS from the Jim Crocker promotion years right now. And then on Sunday, we go through our weekly issues of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Not issues, but we go each week by week through the episodes of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Uh, and up to this point, we are into uh, 1994, middle of 94 almost uh, to date. So a lot of fun there. We have a good time. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash bttpod or just search Book in the Territory, wherever you get your podcast from and come listen to us in the unprofessional wrestling podcast. You have been warned. It is very unprofessional. Strong language is uh, uh we advise uh if you don't like strong language well uh you've been warned let me put it that way okay and then other than that check uh come follow me on twitter at mike 504 saints uh, and see all my uh wrestling tweets and occasionally football so there you go man good show this week though brian i, I really had a lot of fun here your shows are so unprofessional that bill watts would not approve but as we wrap things up the mid-south wrestling television review is a production of the arcadian vanguard podcast network for mike mills i'm the great brian last We'll see you next week. Tally ho!